Hey, you are now listening to the Graceway Podcast. Let's talk. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Let's Talk. My name is Jeff Adams. I'm here with Pastor Tim Dunn. And Pastor Tim, we've been like ships passing in the night here the last month or two. We've both been traveling a lot. And uh, Sunday was Mother's Day. And we're going to talk about your Mother's Day message, which was not necessarily directed at moms. But you said something that maybe nobody else picked up but me. And I want to give you some kudos because uh, you had your 20th anniversary the week before. Right. And you took your bride and did something special and let Pastor Todd preach. Yeah. Now, the reason that picks up on me, because back in my generation, uh, we put duty ahead of everything. <laughs> we were very sincere. But, sure. uh, yeah. you know, all that type of stuff. So sometimes we were not as present. And so when I heard you say that, I'm going, boy, Pastor Tim. <laughs> Way to set the example. So congratulations Appreciate on 20 it. years of marriage. Appreciate a special it. Mother's Day for you and Miss Ashley. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, just great. Yeah. So we're talking about Solomon yeah. uh, on, on Mother's Day. Yeah. And, and you picked up on the irony of that, a yeah. dude who had uh, 700 wives and 300 concubines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lots of moms on Mother's exactly. Day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, his Mother's Day were very expensive, <laughs> just the flowers alone. That's right. But so anyway, I just wanted to ask you the question, as you prepared for this, what what stands out in your mind as being the, the highlight of your preparation or the thing that impressed you the most or the thing that helped you as an individual the most as you studied the life of Solomon? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I you know, I, he's such a complex guy. Hmm. And uh, I'm, we've talked about this before. I'm really grateful that God allows kind of the heroes of the faith to show their warts and their flaws and their brokenness. Right. Um, you know, we'll talk about Solomon again this week, talk a little bit more about his failures and how he didn't finish as well as he began, and talk about finishing well, which is something you and I have talked a great great deal about. But yeah, I think I just appreciate he's really dynamic and he's really broken at the same time, and that God saw fit to use him to build incredible things. Mm-hmm. God kept his word, you know, that Davidic covenant, he's a big piece of mm-hmm. that. Uh, God used him to build a really symbolic and powerful um, structure and infrastructure with the temple. And uh, I think I just am grateful that God, this is simplistic, but I'm just grateful that God uses broken people to do um, significant spiritual eternal things. And, yeah, uh, I, that, that's that, that's simple, but yeah. it's it's also deep and profound <laughs> at, at the same time. Sure, sure. It, which which leads me to another question. And uh, again, you you passed over this, not that you were trying to ignore it, yeah. but seven hundred wives, three hundred concubines. Right. I mean, what's up with that? How do we how do we put that in modern context? How do we contextualize that for today? What's what's up with that? I don't I don't know that we have i'd be curious your thoughts i don't know that we have an equivalent that uh we could moralize in any way shape or form obviously this is a guy a lot of those a lot of those women would have had political attachments to them would have had empire building aspirations connected to them you know this was a time where kingdoms and families were connected through marriage and and very patriarchal and so you had powerful men utilizing their family to build their empire. Um, the Bible doesn't, doesn't necessarily um, criticize the quantity in the same way that we would. 
what it criticizes is the fact that he allowed his heart to be taken away from the Lord through these relationships. Mm. And so obviously in our in our context, like what kind of terrible low life, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and it's interesting. I mean, this would be an interesting conversation. The Bible, the Bible doesn't really do that. It doesn't. It doesn't do that with David. We know that David had lots of wives and and probably lots of concubines as well. Um, and even when David messes up with Bathsheba, it refers to his sin as being toward Uriah, <laughs> toward the Hittite. Like he killed this guy. Uh, and uh, I don't know, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of cultural things that are going on there, but I think, I think with Solomon, um, you know, he was a guy who had a bit of spiritual ADD, right? He just always seemed to lose focus on his priorities, on the wisdom that God had given him, on God himself, whether it be money or partying. I mean, this is the book of Ecclesiastes, like his, his pursuits of fulfillment and fun uh, and purpose and the, how easily he got distracted. So obviously there's pieces of uh, non-monogamous behavior that we would be rightly critical of. But I don't think that the Bible, and again, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, the Bible doesn't seem to overly emphasize that as much as its effect on him. It seems like we categorize sins in order. Yeah, that's and true. And order is yeah. usually the reverse of God's. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not to justify a non-monogamous marriage. It's not, yeah. That's not the point. No, no. But the point is uh, we, we can lie, we can cheat, we yeah. can steal, we can gossip. Yeah. Things that would be horribly offensive in biblical society. Yeah, yeah. But yet that's okay. Yeah, and obviously there are other places that God is very, very clear, be faithful to. Absolutely. One, one woman or, or to one That's man. been his uh, plan from the beginning. That's his plan, No matter yeah. how many not times Not Adam and Eve that. and Sally. Yeah, yeah. So we, the blueprint is not up for debate. What you're saying, though, is, is God trying to make a point around Solomon. And what I'm saying is... Monogamy isn't his point around exactly. Solomon, that's all. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a, here's a question for you that somebody asked me, okay. asking for a friend. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Great. You mentioned David and Bathsheba just yeah. a moment ago. Yeah. And when we talk about that, especially yeah. those of us that preach and teach and things like that, we, yeah. we tend to put the emphasis on what's up with David, how is this affecting him, yeah. what was right, what was wrong, all right. of this. What's up with Bathsheba? <laughs> how come nobody ever mentions how this affected her or what her position is? Yeah, and you know, she's in a, a she's in a pretty difficult position, right? I mean, David. In, in terms of culture, in, she cannot refuse a king. Yeah, yeah. There's just there's no way out of that. Yeah, exactly. And and as devastating as that was, the scripture doesn't say a lot about her but it's not overly critical of her either. Uh, and Solomon makes some references to his mom at certain times that are, are really positive. And so, I don't know, man. I mean, that whole story, it, it, I tried to reframe David and Goliath uh, a right. couple weeks ago in a way that I think is more biblically faithful than some of the ways that we do. But there's so much going on culturally in all of these stories that we just don't have a framework for. It's, it's hard for us to understand it in, is. in the Western modern world. 
But but the reason I ask you that question, I I, I have a motive yeah, underneath sure, that yeah, because yeah. you <laughs> you had mentioned also some of uh, what I'll call your pet projects, and I don't yeah. I don't mean that in an offensive way, oh, but sure. things that really mean something to you, yeah. Bible translation, yeah. Yeah. and then you announced again that a few months ago this church was able to give thirty five thousand dollars to yeah. an anti trafficking ministry yeah. Yeah. that is doing a wonderful job. And, and the reason I, that, that kind of came up in my mind, thinking about Bathsheba, yeah. uh, as I said, culturally, there's probably nothing she could have done. No. Uh, and, and I wonder if you see any connection between women who are trafficked. Uh, wow. That is not their fault. Right. Right. <laughs> they, they are victims. Yeah. And uh, how can we respond to those women in a biblical way, knowing that uh, they have been forced into prostitution, yeah. into pornography, into all types of things that we would be rightfully critical of, yeah. but through no real fault of their own. Yeah, and you're saying, is there, a, do I see anything in a Bathsheba? A parallel with Bathsheba. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you kills know, her husband yeah. and has sex with her. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And you know, for for you guys who watch regularly, you know, I don't have a clue what you're going to bring up. This no, is very no, off no. the cuff. You know, we try to not <laughs> overscript it. Sometimes I don't it. have yeah. a clue. <laughs> uh, we try to not overscript it just from yeah. the standpoint of wanting some authenticity to it. To be entirely honest with you, uh, I, I hadn't made the connection, but but that that is more accurate than the way that I think particularly white evangelical Westerners tend to view Bathsheba. We tend to view it very morally, not very culturally. Mm -hmm. And we tend to over-assign motivation and responsibility to her. And you're right, she wouldn't have had much choice in the deal. She does lose a man who by all accounts, was a very, very good man. We can right. assume he was a good husband. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of loss there. And for her to lose the baby, for God to judge David and take the baby, I mean, you, you start thinking into those things. And even you, you, we don't know when she passed, but I think that it's, it's reasonable to assume that she watched Solomon uh, come to power and then really really do some dumb things, you yeah, know, and yeah. and having a daughter and, and two sons personally, just that's painful. Yeah. And so she really uh, had would have had a painful life. And in terms of the trafficking thing, yeah, I mean, you know, um, I, I went into COVID with a Bible translation thing. I inherited from you a mm -hmm. relationship with an organization called Seed Company. And the trafficking thing... Um, really, really kind of came more into the light for me during COVID. We have a relationship with and had done some research around. And it's, um, I, I don't know, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like words really get at the horror of what is happening in yeah. our world. The amount of loss, the amount of uh, degrading, depraved, wicked, evil things that are happening. And, uh, you know, we don't like to view David as being capable of some of those things. But it does go back to my point. I mean, God could have very easily left the David and Bathsheba scenario out uh, of David's story. He put it in. And it's way worse on David than we actually think that it is on the surface. Yeah. It's not just that he had an affair. I mean, really used another human being and killed another human being and made his general, you know, complicit in that whole, I mean, it's a really broken, messed up family tree that comes from. And so yeah. 
Yeah, you got me thinking on. <laughs> well, on it just seems like in the, in the church yeah. sometimes we are very selective in our moral outrage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, some things you know we can get all excited about. Yeah. Uh, currently, the the abortion thing That's is what... <laughs> polarizing our society. Yeah. And and there, there are points on both sides. I'm not. We're not even going to go there right now. Yeah. But yet, human trafficking is there, and it seems like that's one of those things that we can often overlook. Yeah, and you know, I out of sight, out of mind. I'm literally, you know, we get done with this. I, I go into a staff meeting. I'm talking to the staff about. Um, I don't know if this is where you want me to go or not, but talking to the staff about the Roe v. Wade thing. And I, you know, to be clear, I, uh, I, I'm definitely pro-life. I know that you are as well. Um, think that abortion. You know, you look at the numbers around abortion. It's really hard to wrap your head around. It is. Um, and, you know, the early church is really instructive for us around this issue. Um, uh, the early church would have been pro-life, but they would have been pro-whole life. Mm -hmm. And one of the key tenets of the early church was in response to, you know, the genocide that was occurring in the Roman Empire, kids being exposed if they weren't wanted you know we we talk about raising our kids that's that actually came from roman culture where a where a dad would raise a kid that he wanted uh toward the sun god and that was the phrase he he raised him we talk about raising our kids that's where it comes from so you either raise kids or you exposed kids which is you just left them out uh to die we have more medical and you know tame ways of doing that but still as horrific and the church became known for its adoption processes yeah. during that, finding these exposed kids and bringing them into their family. And, and sure. I'm afraid, uh, this might be controversial, it shouldn't be, but it might be. I'm afraid that in all of our vigor around legislation on abortion, which I'm for, <laughs> don't get me wrong, and now all of our celebration around the potential that Roe v. Wade uh, could be overturned, that we are going to take... I don't even know if our foot has been on the gas, but that we are going to forget that we are called to service the whole of life. And so for families that are doing adoption, for families that are fostering, um, man, I really celebrate yeah, them. Yeah, we should celebrate that. Yeah, exactly. I celebrate them more, if I'm honest, than some of the legislation, as important as it is, because I think, I think the actual work of being pro-life is a little more sacrificial than casting a ballot, you know? or voting for the right person. And, and I'm a, I hope that the church doesn't celebrate and say, well, you know, now, now we're good. And uh, I, hope that, I hope that this is now a space where, okay, if, if in God's sovereignty, this is changing in our country, now let's turn our attention towards some of the social structures that put women in a position where they feel like that's their only option some of the racial issues that are implicit, some of the economic issues, uh, adoption, fostering. I mean, I, I worked in a pregnant, a lot of people don't know this, I worked in a pregnancy care center in Cincinnati, in urban Cincinnati while I was pastoring there. And I don't even really know how, and frankly, I don't even know, really know why, other than for what I'm about to say. Uh, it was amazing to me um, to watch the type of young woman that would come in uh, the color of her skin, her economic standing, and then to watch white folks from the burbs coming in to picket Planned Parenthood down yeah. the... I mean, abortion is obviously a moral issue, but it's not only a moral issue. There's social issues, there's economic issues, and as a church, we got to develop 
our peripheral vision a little bit more on I guess on that's things. why that, that was on my heart, Pastor yeah. Tim, as, as we talk about these issues. Um, uh, again, if the Old Testament teaches us anything, yeah. it's that you cannot legislate morality. That's exactly right. You, yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. And, yeah. and while you and I... And not that you can, it just doesn't work. It, it, it doesn't work, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. And you can, but yeah. 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 And, and we support good legislation yes. and we're against yes. bad legislation. Exactly. We're all, all in agreement on that. Yeah. Yeah. But that does not guarantee that people are going to morally respond. That's exactly and right. And that's the strong point of the church. That's exactly right. We have moral high ground. Yes, that's exactly right. As long as we do have moral high ground. Yeah, as long as we stay there. <laughs> as long as we stay there. <laughs> yeah. And that's been one of the, the, the grieving things about this last season. You Again, I, I, I say this all the time, you, you, know, you and I go to lunch and we, we're talking through all these issues. One of the most grieving things is to watch the church become polarized um, politically. Yes. I mean, of all the things. Um, yes, and we can disagree about certain political issues. Yeah, that's not that's not the point. Yeah, but but yeah. So you know, on the Roe v. Wade thing, that, that's funny how you you got us all <laughs> you started with yeah. Solomon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even see it coming. Yeah, it's, and then when you referenced the, uh, yeah, I just I I, I want to be clear, especially because uh, the seat that you sat in here for many years and the seat that I I sat in. There's a lot of different perspectives on, but as a church, let's let's be pro-life, but let's be whole pro-life, and let's be honest around some of these these issues, and let's be grateful if our country, for whatever its actual reasons are, <laughs> right. is changing this legislation. Uh, but let's also really double down on caring for human life, uh, pre prenatal and postnatal, yeah. and uh, and and being sacrificial. Sure. In in those services, I think I think that's pleasing to God. Drawing it back to your sermon, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and and that's fine. That's why we do this. Yeah, that's yeah. why we talk. Yeah, we yeah. just simply talk. Right. But uh, at the end of the sermon, you you came back and you were giving us. Uh, instructions on what to do when we feel depleted. Yeah. And you'd made a distinction between being tired and being depleted, yeah. which if you didn't see Pastor Tim's sermon, go back and listen to that very carefully. Great, great point. But uh, you made a statement in that process. One of the steps that you gave us was to seek God's glory. Yeah. And and you said something in, in that moment. You said that we should seek God's glory, uh, give even for foreigners and strangers. Yeah. And, and the point that I saw on that is just what we're talking about. The church today, I think, is in danger of, of entering into tribalism. Yes. And, and rather than turning ourselves outward, yes. how can we establish God's glory among people who don't know him, yeah. among people who don't vote like we do, who don't look like we do, who don't think like we do? Yeah. How can we do that? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's even worse than that, right? Because I think now the church is tired and is depleted and doesn't know how to refill and is trusting human structures to give us victories that only God can. I think to go back to the Roe Ro v. Wade thing or any any of these other issues, right? Like um, you can only win spiritual battles through spiritual means. Yeah, and it seems like the pandemic kind of ripped the screen away yeah. from the Oz. Yeah, and uh, the did. church was revealed for its weakness and superficiality in a lot of areas and of life. And now we're struggling to figure out where do we go from here. I, I think that's true, but I also just think, I think there's a lot of great churches and a lot of great Absolutely. Christians. And I think people are tired and we're worn out. And yeah. we, don't, we don't know, 
we're, we're fi- we thought that once the pandemic was over, okay, now we're good. Yeah. And, and what we're finding out is that we're having a hard time getting out. Exactly. Um, and so what I was trying, trying to say, for those that didn't see it, is you know, Solomon is standing in front of this temple and he's asking God to fill it. Exactly. And he has, he has this mindset of what will compel or entice God's spirit to fill this temple. God says we're, a t- we're his temple. Mm-hmm. If we're feeling depleted, is it possible that Solomon's prayer is instructed for us? And so, you know, I talked about gratitude, the spirit's attracted to gratitude. I talked about um, grace, the spirit's attracted to humility and surrender. And then I talked about God's glory. Mm-hmm. And it, it is amazing how baked into the Old Testament the idea of the foreigner is. Mm-hmm. And when God Absolutely. blessed Israel, it was for the nations. Mm-hmm. It says over and over and over, over and again. over. Yeah. And, and I think that... I think that we do what Israel did. We, we, we can't conceive that God's blessing is supposed to be beyond us, right? <laughs> right? right. Uh, and so we do get tribal, and we do get insular, and we do, we do get self-serving uh, around these things. And so, you know, how, how do we? Um, I, I think. I think we have to be honest about, again, about where we are, uh, actually, mm-hmm. um, about what we love, actually, about what is filling us or what we're pursuing, actually. And, uh, and then, you know, you've, this is so preachy, but, you know, we really have to ask ourselves if, if, if we do love the things that God loves and if we are seeing the fruit that God mm-hmm. says we'll see from uh, from from those realities and uh, and you know for me back to the human trafficking thing I just human trafficking and Bible translation I, I can't think of two things more at the top of God's list than His Word and people and uh, and, and so I I am I am hoping at Graceway that we can simplify some things I'm hoping at Graceway that we can get a little bit more humble a little bit more honest. About, about where we actually are and who we actually are. And I'm hoping that, that God will reveal himself to us in such a way uh, and give us a vision and a heart to really love some of the things that he loves. And that maybe coming out of this pandemic um, and out of this season, that the church can actually redistinguish itself. Um, I think that there's the potential with all the political and division, all of those kind of things, for the church to do a reset in a really beautiful, helpful way. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And yeah. I think that can be one of the positive things coming so, out of the yeah. pandemic and yeah. all the divisiveness and whatnot. But it, I think it comes back to the principle that you mentioned early on in this podcast. And, and that's simply the principle of knowing that God works through broken people. Yeah, yeah, sure. And he works through broken churches. Yeah. There is not a church that is not broken in some way. There's not right. a person who is not broken in some way. Right. And it's to God's glory that he uses us. That's right. But that humility, and I, I love, Pastor Tim, your holistic emphasis that we can't be a, a one-issue people. Right. We've got to see life holistically. We do. And even if we could solve human problem, if we could translate the Bible into every language, right. there, there's still justice issues. There are racial issues. There are economic and educational issues. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we, we can make a longer list. Yeah, it's pretty overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that all goes back, and, and we're just about out of time, but one statement that you made at the end that I, I wrote down is, that the Spirit of God is attracted to surrender. Yeah. 
And that's what I'm hearing you say to turn this whole pandemic and divisiveness into something positive. Yeah. If we can just surrender control of our life to God, we're going to be in a better place. Yeah, and I, I you know, you and I, um, I think rightly uh, can be critical of the Western church. I also do want to say there's lots of very good men and women, very good leaders who are in a spot of saying, God, I don't know, man. I, I don't yeah. know what you're doing, where you have me, that I'm worn out, but I really want you to use my life. I really want you to bring, uh, I want you to glorify yourself in my life. And I'm deeply encouraged by that. I'm deeply encouraged as well. You know, sometimes as we've taught the history of Christianity and yeah. whatnot, we talk about how England at one time was the, the missionary light of the world yeah. and the Netherlands and, and yeah. countries like that. And, and then we, we tend to get very critical we do. because those countries now tend to be somewhat dark spiritually. Sure. But in the darkness are some wonderful churches yeah. and wonderful believers who are totally engaged in God's mission. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's what yeah. I think, you know, there's, there's more people in the global south that are Christians now there is. than there are in the north by, yeah. by a lot. Yeah. You know, yeah. Almost three quarters uh, <laughs> of the world do not look like us who are Christians. Yeah. But yet that should not be a cause of alarm for us. No but of satisfaction. We pray for that day. Absolutely. And now what's our place? That's right. That's right. Well, yeah, I, I think that we still have a place. I, Absolutely I, I, we do. And uh, we do have to take our more humble seat at the table. We do have to stop uh, thinking that dollars earn you credit and control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we have to get a little more humble and a little bit more generous. I mean, yes. Um, this is one of the most financially blessed churches in the history of the church, if yes. not the yes. most blessed. And, uh, and, and I, we just got to, we need to be a little bit more free and, uh, joining what God's doing in other wow. places. Yeah. Words of wisdom. <laughs> hey, th this has been, this has been fun. This, yeah. is, this is why we do this, right? Right. Uh, right? We have fun and, and we're glad <laughs> when you listen to us. All right. And as a reminder, you can find Let's Talk wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe, uh, leave us some kind reviews and all that type of stuff. Invite your friends and we will be back with you one week from today. Thanks for tuning into the Graceway Experience. Hope we can talk again sometime.